Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. It's an age-old dilemma trying to harmonize what the Bible says with what modern science proclaims. Is truth nothing more than the interpretation of facts? Where does faith come in? Let's ask Dr. Jennings to suggest some insights and guidelines that can help us accept science in the light of Bible truth and vice versa. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? My view of it is that God is the creator, the builder of reality, space, time, energy, matter, life. Mm -hmm. And therefore, his laws are the laws upon which reality operate. And understanding those principles, then, we can find a perfect integration between the the teachings of Scripture and the scientific and real world around us. There really is never a, a disagreement between the two when we rightly understand them. Now, when you say the teachings of Scripture, are you talking about how we are interpreting the teachings of Scripture? Is there an absolute truth we need to know here? Everything's interpreted. Whether you go out into nature and you look at any natural observation you find in nature, people will then interpret that and draw meaning from it, or if we read Scripture and interpret. So everything is going to be interpreted through a certain lens. The goal here for me is to find those testable, reproducible parameters and or laws, again, laws of health, laws of physics, law of gravity, the design parameters upon which reality operate that bring a cohesive structure and harmony to both. Now, here's the elephant in the room. Do those change, Dr. Jennings? Is what you consider or what you interpret to be truth one time later, can you say, oh, I was wrong, now this is right? Not when you get down to the testable laws. They never change. For instance, the Bible teaches that uh, God's divine nature is seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse, Romans 1.20, and that God's nature is love, and the function of love is other-centered giving beneficence. And so if you put all those pieces together and look into nature, you can actually say, okay, the Bible's taking the position that the principle of beneficence or giving is the law upon which life is built. Every breath you take, you give away carbon dioxide to the plants, and the plants give oxygen back to you, a never-ending circle of giving upon which life is constructed to operate. If you decide to transgress that law and tie a plastic bag over your head and selfishly hoard your carbon dioxide to yourself, the wages of that is death. We see this. This is testable. It's reproducible. It never wavers. It never changes. And you see this in every living system. Every living system, this principle of giving is an operation. If you break it, it results in death. All right. The principle of giving. You've identified here one of the major foundation stones on which real truth, and may I even say ultimate truth, is built. Am I right? That is exactly right. There's many of these design parameters upon which reality operates, and the Scripture teaches us these things. And the problems we've had through history is that many people read the Scripture not through this idea of design law, how reality actually works, but they've read it through the lens of imperial Roman law, how humans make up laws, systems of rules that require judicial oversight and enforcement, and that's where a lot of confusion comes in because things become very arbitrary at that point, and that's not actually how reality works. I'm going to take a real corner here, and I'm going to say, okay, Dr. Jennings, is it possible for a country to represent a true standard of giving? Can any country become what you're talking about? 
In a world in which we live today, no. The Bible describes that all human governments are beastly. They all work on coercion. They all work by threat. They all work by enforcement of an external power to, to punish people who don't obey their systems of laws or rules. And that is completely contrary to the way God's government works. And the reason that, that works this way is because all human beings are infected with fear and selfishness and are not actually operating on the principles of love. They're operating on the, on the principles of what can I get for myself? And so there has to be these systems of restraint put in place, which is what human governments do. So no human government, because it's run by people who are infected with with self-centeredness, actually represents the government of God. So we have human laws because we are incapable or unwilling, I should say. We are unwilling to keep that universal foundational truth of giving in our societies. Am I right? You're right in both points. Not only un- unwilling, but we are incapable in our own strength, mm. in our own ability without the, the presence of the Holy Spirit to bring us new motives. We are incapable of genuinely loving others. We can appear to love as long as it's somehow rewarding to us, but in, in the end, we really are not self-sacrificial without divine intervention to bring us that love into our hearts. When we look at nature, Dr. Jennings, we're looking at a defiled version of it But can we see in nature indications of what God had in mind when he put us in this world and when he put this world together? You see this in the water cycle, where the oceans give waters to the clouds which rain over the lands, lakes, rivers, and streams, and flow back, a constant circle of giving which brings life. If water doesn't flow, it stagnates, and everything in it dies. You see this in the pollination, where the bees give their industry to the plants, and plants give their pollen to the bees. And in every system that you look at that is alive, you see this constantly at work. But we also do see an antagonistic principle in nature as well, this survival of the fittest drive, which is undermining and damaging God's creation, and which will be eliminated in the end. Okay, so now I'm beginning to understand here. You have the foundation stone of giving. I think there's another foundation stone that we need to realize that this world is built on a stone of sin, and that sin is what is causing the confusion, which is causing the damage in this world. Am I right? I wouldn't say built. No, the world was not built on a foundation of sin. The the world was built on a foundation of love, but it became infected with the Ah. principle of sin. So we should see this more as an infection rather than a building or design. It's contrary to the design, and so there's two antagonistic principles actually at war on the planet, and we see that, the principle of love and beneficence versus the principle of fear and selfishness. So when we look at an animal attacking and killing another animal or a human being attacking and killing another human being or being unkind to it in any way. We're looking at an infection. That's exactly right. That is not God's design. And the Bible talks about in the hereafter, the lion will lay down with the lamb and so forth. That predatory type aspect that we see in the world today is an infection. It was not how God designed things to be, and it will be eliminated. Okay, so now you say that interpretation is everything. We, all we can do, basically, is interpret here. So when we look at the Bible, and when we look at science, or when science reports to us, or Bible says something to us, we have to see that foundation of giving, that undiluted, uninfected foundation of giving and love, before we can say, oh, that's the truth. You are on the right track, and, and one of the, you know, the big philosophical landscapes that, in which the world lives under, there's two. A 
godless origins of reality versus a intelligent designer origins of reality. Right, right. Those are the two big landscapes of reality. And under those landscapes, there are different methods and ideas about how that came to be. But if you look at the scientific evidence, if you look at the premises upon which those two origins sit, all the evidence that we can test supports the creation worldview. For instance, life coming from non-living material versus life coming from another living organism. We can't go back and see the moment of the Big Bang or creation, but we can test, do we ever see life coming from non-living material, or do we see life coming from another living organism? Do we see order coming out of chaos on its own, or do we see order only coming out of chaos with intelligent design and intelligent input? And finally, if you think about what drives physical life, what's required, you need energy, you need physical matter, and you need usable, actionable data or information. And that's true for all living systems. The godless origin tries to account for the energy and the matter, but they have no explanation at all for all the coded information, the DNA of living beings. And therefore, there is no scientific foundation for the godless origins. It requires a designer to code all the information that's required in our DNA in order for us to actually have living organisms. This is actually very good news for us because that means that there is something for us to strive for. There is a goal for us to reach for, and that goal is much better than we could do in our natural infected state, and that is a state of pure love as God intended. Why is that so hard for us to do? You've mentioned that we are infected. We are altered in our way. Why is it so hard for us to do when we know the truth and we want to get there, but something is holding us back? What's going on? Well, we have an internal drive of fear and insecurity, and what, and what keeps that going is misunderstanding or distortion or lies. You say we know the truth. I would posit that, in fact, the vast majority of people, even in the Christian world, do not know the truth about God. They have bought into an imperial Roman view of God, where God is the you know, writer of laws like humans write, and God is the source of enforcement of those laws, and God is the source of pain and suffering and will torture you in hell, and God requires something done to him so he won't torture you. And so those types of constructs don't actually lead us to trust and love. They lead us to more fear and self-centered theologies designed to save us or protect us from punishment rather than heal and restore us to harmony with God. Now I'm beginning to see here, Dr. Jennings, why the Bible and science really are not at odds at each other when you get to the proper level of understanding of those two things. Because the, the Bible is simply an account of what God is, and the science is simply an account of what God did. Am I on the right track saying that? You're exactly right. God's character is love, and it's manifested both in how he's treated beings through history recorded in Scripture and also revealed in nature. Okay, so when we look at the Bible, when we look at science, we need to make sure that we are standing on a foundation of love, and that love is a giving entity, and that love is a pure entity. And if we look at the Bible and we see anything else, and if we look at science and we see anything else, we're looking at a distortion. And we cannot call the distortion truth because it's a distortion. (laughs) Am I right in saying that? Yes. When you say distortion, you can also say infection. We're looking at the enemy. We're looking at the law of sin and death that the Bible talks about. So we're not making it up. It's actually there, but we shouldn't conclude that that's godly or God's design or God's ways. It's not. It's part of the problem that he's trying to cure or heal the world from. Well, you know, I have in my hand here a copy of your paraphrase of the New Testament. It's called The Remedy, and it's just an amazing, amazing work of art as far as I'm concerned. And that's what I noticed in this thing. You went through the New Testament, and you made sure 
sure that those distortions were, were mitigated. You made sure that those, those lies were, were removed, and you came at it from that pure giving standpoint. That was your goal, am I right? It was really, really to show again that God is the creator, and his laws are the laws upon which reality are built. We talked about the law of love as one of them. There are many more just like that, rather than an imperial dictator view of God who makes up rules and is a source of pain. That's the distortion that we need to eliminate from people's mind, because then we'll realize the problem's in us, and God is a lover of our soul who wants to heal and fix us. Dr. Jennings, when you bow to pray, if you're like me, or like most of us, we, we try to picture some kind of entity that is listening to us, some kind of image that is listening. What is the image that you have of God that is listening to you when you speak to Him in prayer? I have more than one. Father is one, loving parent, uh, physician, healer, creator, somebody who's beneficent and compassionate and wanting to fix the brokenness. There's many of those metaphors of Scripture that uses as well, protector. So all of those, depending on where I'm at in my journey and what what I'm struggling with at that time, but he's always a helper, always there to, to fix, heal, and restore, never the one I need to be protected from. Oh, my, and how we have distorted that, how the infection of sin has changed our view of of God over the millennia, and a lot of people, when they bow to pray, they think of a judge. They think of someone full of revenge, someone full of anger. But you're saying that's not the image. There is a father there. There's a friend there. There's someone who loves us there. What happens to us, Dr. Jennings, when we change from that vindictive view of God to that loving, caring view of God? What changes in our bodies, in our minds? That's another one of the design laws called the law of worship. By beholding, we become changed. We neurobiologically, physiologically, characterologically become like the God we love, admire, and worship. So when we move toward a loving God that we truly trust and love, we become more compassionate, we become more loving, we become less fearful, our fear circuits calm down, we actually get better physical health. Everything improves when we move towards the truth of who God is as revealed in Christ. Science is an illustration of God's love and care if we perceive it correctly. We just have 30 seconds left here. Any last words for us today, Dr. Jennings? Only that God wants us to use our reasoning powers to integrate and understand these truths and not take this idea that, well, when it comes to God, we just have to accept things that make no sense at all. God is a reasonable, sensible, rational being who created all reality, and and he wants us to grow in our understanding of him and his design. Amen. Dr. Timothy Jennings. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.